0: Meeting Finland's Imprisoned Consentious Objectors, an article by David MacDougall. It doesn't look much like prison. At 7am each morning, Jari Koivisto leaves the new-built home he shares with his pregnant fiancé on the outskirts of Helsinki and goes to work at a car rental company. Every day at 5pm he comes home again, but with an ankle monitoring Bracelet, strict curfews, drugs and alcohol tests, and frequent visits from the ominously titled Criminal Sanctions Agency. This is how the 28-year-old is serving his six months of house arrest. Corvisto lives this way because he has refused to do mandatory military or civilian service. I definitely think I've done nothing wrong, says Corvisto. How can a country imprison someone based on political or moral reasons? He knows that sort of treatment happens regularly in countries like Iran, Belarus, China, or Syria. He just doesn't expect it in a country as outwardly respectful of human rights as Finland. But it turns out that Koivisto is something of a feminist too. His reason for refusing national service speaks to a core tenet of Finland's national identity, gender equality. He chose a custodial sentence rather than national service because he believes the law itself discriminates against men. The biggest thing for me is equality of the whole system. When you think about Finland's constitution, there's no discrimination, he says. While women can volunteer for military service, the mandatory service law only applies to men. And this is the perceived injustice that Koivisto is fighting against. If the government forces me to do military service, they should make women do it too, based on equality.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 2 of The Social Balcony. Um, Today I'm going to be hosting and Teresa is feeling a little bit under the weather so Rosa and Geisa are with us today. Um, This is a topic that Rosa is particularly passionate about so she's very excited to introduce it to you guys.
2: Yeah, so today we are having a discussion about conscription, conscientious objection and the overall military system in Nordic countries.
1: So what actually is um, conscientious objection? Conscientious objection to military
2: service means that a person is refusing to partake in military service or anything involving military service uh, due to religious or conscientious reasons. For example, refusing to take part in draft or refusing to take part in combat or pay taxes or war allocations or... People have many ways to be conscientious objectors. And uh, conscription, is it mandatory in Finland? Yeah, so Finland is one of the few European countries that still has strict mandatory conscription in place. Uh, conscription is mandatory for all males uh, with Finnish citizenship from the year they turn 18. Female are exempt. And the obligation to contribute to national defense may be satisfied through participating in military service or alternative service. Military service in Finland lasts um, from like the shortest amount of time is 165 days and the longest period is uh, 347 days. However, alternative service uh, is always 347 days, and alternative service is something that uh, you, for example, go to a assist in a library or in an organization and do that type of like a civil service work, which is mm-hmm. not related to.
0: Okay, but all so yeah. all men, as soon as you turn 18, as a man, you will have to choose to either do the the civil service or the military service.
2: Yeah, exactly, and the liable conscripts who refuse to partake in either of these, like both of them, they say, I don't want to do military service, but I don't either want to do alternative service, are actually imprisoned up to 173 days. These objectors who refuse both services are called total conscientious objectors. And it's kind of insane to think that a country like Finland actually imprisons people based on their beliefs, on the fact that they don't want to take part in the military system or do alternative service, which is kind of discriminatory due to its length already being twice as long as the shortest military service. Most of the people who also who refuse. it so based on their pacifist beliefs that they do not want to support the military system in any form and in recent year approximately like from 35 to 55 people refuse both services and are sentenced in finland wow yeah
1: that's crazy
0: so like the example in the article
2: yeah the example article just uh, showed an example of someone's day-to-day life because usually people who are sentenced perform this sentence in a monitoring service. So they can live at home, but they have a strict schedule and they have a parole officer type of person coming to see how that they comply with it. And they have to do drug and alcohol tests. And, you know, their personal freedom is limited completely. But it's... Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, right. And it seems like it's a topic that no one really... Knows about, even though Finland has received international criticism of this practice because uh, human rights organizations obviously see these prisoners of conscience like which they seem to be right yeah, it seems a bit like
0: limiting your like your freedom of thought maybe or in that sense because you're not allowed to object against this military or civil service, and then the state puts you in prison for that it's a bit uh, crazy to think that that is a practice somewhere
1: yeah, a practice especially in the Nordic countries, right? Because, yeah, as the article was also saying, we kind of expect it in other parts of the world, but not so much in Finland.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of unique practice, even in Nordic countries, even though uh, Sweden, Norway and Denmark have mandatory conscription, but it's a bit different system. They do. Yeah. yeah, they
0: do, but they have like a bit different system. So, um so Sweden and Norway, they have it equally so both men and women as soon as they turn 18, they are like uh, supposed to to do military service, but there's like a drafting process. So, um basically not not all of them have to do it, but some are chosen. And Sweden and uh, Norway And also Denmark do it in a way that only people are chosen that that show interest in joining or in doing this military Mm -hmm. service, because they don't need that many people in the military. So they just choose a a small number and just people that are interested. Yeah. But they have like mandatory conscription, all of them.
2: Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. And that's why it's so interesting that they do have a mandatory conscription, but that they draft everyone basically but they only pick the ones who are motivated to go and they the other nordic countries have way fewer conscripts each year for example finland conscripts 20 approximately 22000 males each year which is kind of an insane amount of people especially if you think like finland had what <laughs> has uh, 5
0: million yeah. 5 million inhabitants <laughs> and then you have 22000 people each year going into the military
2: Exactly. And for example, in comparison, what was it in Norway? Like 9,000 people? that they Yeah, choose? and
0: Denmark was like 4,000 people. It was very low numbers.
2: Yeah, so in comparison, it feels kind of absurd. And it doesn't even make sense that the draft is not equal, gender equal. Like, why wouldn't you draft all the people, like male and female, and all genders, and then pick the ones who are actually willing to go? But... In order to understand this current policy, it's maybe worthwhile to take a short I- historical background. Because obviously, Finland has a different biopolitical situation than other Nordic countries, uh, meaning Russia.
1: <laughs> yeah, no,
2: no, no surprise there that <laughs> <Of course>. the <laughs> attitudes are maybe a bit different. So, attitudes towards conscription and military in Finland are highly linked to patriotism and nationalism. But it might be surprising, and actually, the roots of conscientious objection are also linked to patriotism because when Finland was under the Russian Empire during the period of oppression Finland's autonomy was restricted and Finnish army was incorporated into the Russian army this led to widespread draft strikes organized by a resistant movement called Kagal and these strikes proved to be successful as approximately half of the eligible conscripts actually ended up avoiding drafts and so did your beard fall? <laughs> Are you fine? <laughs> fine? It's fine. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> so, so as I understood now, uh, during Russian oppression, fin- Finns were supposed to join the Russian army, but they didn't, and they striked, and so less people joined the army.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that's how uh, the first conscientious objectors in Finland acted and they were actually successful by avoiding drafts. And this is just to show that uh, conscription has a long history in Finland, but also does conscientious objection. However, this example shows that at the beginning, the reasons for conscientious objection were nationalist rather than anti-militarist or pacifist.
0: Maybe just, just to interject, we could just quickly say when Finland was uh, under Russian oppression, because I think a, a lot of people don't really know much about Finland and Finland's history. Yeah.
2: That's that's a fair point. So Finland was actually under Russia from 1809, and before it we were under Sweden, which probably maybe people know, but since 1809 till 1917. Oh, wow. Yeah, so over 100 years. That's, that's long. Insane. Okay. Yeah. So we do have a long history with Russia as well. So to continue, the first conscientious objector based on actual conscience rather than nationalist beliefs uh, was Aunt Pekurinen, who refused military service and was imprisoned in 1929. So after Finland has gained its independence and we have had our civil war and so, and he was actually imprisoned for two years and he was charged of high treason. So it was definitely see- seen as a severe crime at the time, you know, mm-hmm. a treason. <laughs> wow. uh, and he had already like, expressed his willingness to participate in non-military service if that would have been available during the time, which it was not. His refusal, as by the first national discourse on the matter of non-military service, actually in 1931, the first law concerning civil service was created and it was called Lex Pekurinen, named after him.
1: So it was only two years later?
2: Yeah, he was set free when the law was passed.
1: And then did he do his service?
2: Yeah, he did civil oh. service. But however, this law only provided the right to refuse military service uh, during peacetime. And you know, Finland, when the Winter Bo- War broke out in thirty-nine, he was actually imprisoned yet again. All the conscientious objectors who had gotten there, like, had partake in non-military service, were also imprisoned because, you know, it only was eligible during peacetime. And actually in 1941, during the Continuation War, he was sent to the battlefield with the orders that he would be to wear an uniform and bear arms. He still refused, which led to his execution without a trial at the front. So he was actually shot and killed without a fair trial due to his beliefs. And this was in, in
0: 1941, Yes. so not that long ago, actually, if you think about
2: yeah. it. If you wow. think about it, yeah, right. And it's it's a, it's a shocking to think that a person who had such an impact that due to his outspoken uh, beliefs, a law was able to pass and non-military service was put in place. But still, however, it was seen such a big crime not to be able to bear arms and be in the front line, you know, to basically be forced to kill other people that you're gonna be killed that's uh that's a violent history we have there how does
0: it look today
2: yeah so uh, basically after the loss of continuation war finland has revised its defense and decided that the current defense forces were kept in place because you know it was after war and they didn't want to put the military down or anything and that's why conscription-based people's army was deemed as the best solution for finland and its conditions and our biopolitical situation. As you see, conscription has a long, long tradition in Finland, even though Finland has not been at war since 1945. 1940- and the war wars with Russia have a great effect still 2021.
0: So still, Russia is seen as a big threat, and that's why they Finland wants to keep a strong military, and they think this is the best way to do it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because um, it seemed that mandatory conscription provides the best needs rather than professional army. And also, the very concept of military service is very intertwined with national identity, independence and patriotism. And up to 70% of Finland's population says that they are willing to defend one's country if war would come. So people are very, very patriotic here, which might be surprising.
0: But there must be some discussion on this topic in Finland and like some people that are not willing to do that and are against mandatory conscription. Right.
2: Mm, Yeah, definitely. Like we we do have some. So yeah, it's definitely discussed. But however, I don't think there's really a political will to change the system because it is seen that the system has been in place for so long. It's working well. (laughs) No one is really complaining about it because you know, males don't need rights or equality. I guess in Finland, I don't know. It's not. It's not like high on the priorities list. Or part of public debate, really. Even though there are some, like, scholarly works and studies and so on. But it's not really a topic. It Sometimes it rises and then it just goes away and everyone forgets about it, I feel like.
0: Wow. Okay. So how, uh, like, how did you come to be interested in this topic?
2: Uh, actually, <laughs> I learned about this when I was on the ninth grade. And I was shocked because I didn't know that this existed. I didn't know that Finland has prisoners of conscience. And after that it has just stuck in my mind and also i know that my brother he's he hasn't done alternative service or military service but he's he has to do it he's 26 now he has to do it before he's 29 i don't know what he's going to do but it's it's interesting to think that for example i could move abroad without even thinking about it but he would have to think that he needs to go back to finland like he would have like if he would not participate he would get arrest warrant. So that's also like inequality that's shown in everyday life. And also like, you know, when I was 18, all the guys went to military, all the girls didn't. It's not something that we have to even think about or it doesn't even concern us. But the other people have to give up like six months or up to a year of their life just to do this. And... Many people, I feel like, because they're so young when they go to military, they don't really question the system because it's the norm. It's like everyone goes to military. And it's also like the military makes boys to men or something, you know? <laughs> it's <laughs> The attitudes here are like, it's very, it's very manly man thing to do. But that Aww. was bit rambling to your question, which was how I came across to it. But yeah, it's, 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 a no. very, it's something that you don't even think about it unless you actually start to question it, because it's such a norm. And it's interesting to think that other countries don't have this. For example, Sweden and Finland are so similar otherwise
0: yeah they are but then they are so different in that aspect because norway was the first country in the uh, european union i think that actually uh, made conscription equal for both men and women and sweden also they they did that now yeah i think that's like even if i don't really agree with uh, mandatory conscription in general at least make it equal because yeah as you said it's so weird to you are still the same people you come from the same country and you have so different experiences as young adults.
2: Exactly, and it has long time effects to the like, for example, getting into work life is delayed and so on. But but yeah, about the gender neutral conscription that is in place in Sweden and Norway, I, I don't really know what is the logical reason in Finland for not to draft everyone and then just pick the ones that actually want to do it. Because like gender equality neutral draft would make sense right but it's yeah it's difficult to find other reasons than history sexism and money because women were actually only given uh, the possibility to voluntarily participate in military service in 95 which is also like you know super late i feel like women to still to this day cannot volunteer for alternative service only for military service which is doesn't make sense either. If 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 alternative service would be an actual alternative, or not acting as like deterrent of punishment, but
0: the the whole the whole system for me just sounds very weird and a bit antique, and it's a bit surprising that this is still in place and people live like like it, and it's just seen as normal.
1: But I mean, I suppose as you said, if no one's questioning it, why are they going to change it as well?
2: Yeah, exactly. Even though it seems a bit absurd and it feels weird that this policy is in place in a country like Finland. However, the attitudes towards conscription are naturally like, very favourable. For example, according to this survey conducted by the Ministry of Defence in 2020, over 70% of the population supports the current conscription system. And only 23% would like to even expand conscription to all genders. And also telling is that the voluntary conscription for all is only supported by 40%. And professional army is only supported by 7%. So people in Finland don't even want voluntary conscription or professional army. They are happy with the current mandatory conscription. I would assume that the general population thinks that it should be gender equal. But it's, it's not the opinion of everyone. I, th- I find that surprising.
1: Are there any exemptions to military service?
2: Uh, yeah. So other than females... People who reside in Oland are given exemptions. Also, um, the big group that was given exemptions for a long period of time were Jehovah's Jehovah's Witnesses, who were given exemption from 85 to actually to 2004. What? Why?
0: Why Jehovah's Witnesses? That's <laughs> so random. So oh. random. <laughs>
2: yeah, right. <laughs> but actually, like overall internationally, um, when looking at, fi- for example, European Court of Human Rights. Ke- human rights cases about total conscientious objectors. They are usually Jehovah's Witnesses because it's uh, against their beliefs, like religious pacifist beliefs. And okay, they got this exemption as a religious group because in the 80s, they were the largest groups of total objectors. They were actually put in forced labor camps, which got international criticism because pictures from the labor camps were widely spread. Actually, in Swedish media, So (laughs) Finland was heavily criticized of the treatment of, you know, them, because obviously it's, I don't know. So therefore, due to the international criticism, Finland put in a place a legislation that gave them exemption. And this this policy was placed until 2019, when a court of appeals ruled that all uh, total conscientious objectors should be released based on their beliefs and the beliefs are given equal weight. Meaning that no one should be given exemption based on the religious belief because if you say that you're pacifist, it should be given equal weight as if you say that I'm Jehovah's Witness and this is my religious belief. So for a year, all total CEOs who appealed to courts were given exemption based on this ruling. But our parliament reacted quickly to this by overturning this exemption law, which meant that now no one is given exemptions like no one, based on religious beliefs. And this was actually, um, Finland was given notice about this in the concluding observations of the Human Rights Committee this year by its expressing concern that removing exemption from military and civilian service, uh, which was accorded to Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, was in contrast to the previous recommendations, was taken away rather than extended to other groups of conscientious objectors because they encourage Finland to give exemptions to everyone based on religious belief, but Finland actually did the opposite. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Wow. So the international criticism is a bit higher even than the national uh, criticism and discourse about it.
2: Yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah, it seems like it, right? Yeah. But I do have to say as a disclaimer that there are some very active... Citizen organizations that are doing good work and trying to make a change by discussing this topic and being in the trying to affect the legislation. Would it takes more than just like some organizations, it would need to be a broader
1: discussion. Um, what's currently happening in Finland um, in regards to these objectors? So,
2: actually, imprisoning total conscientious objectors. Uh, is not illegal under the international human rights law, which is the issue here, because according to international human rights law, states have the right to impose mandatory conscription as long as the alternative civilian service is available to Liable conscripts. So the issue arises from Finland's alternative service because, as we mentioned earlier, its duration is twice as long as the shortest military service. And also, the alternative service in Finland cannot be considered truly civilian in nature because the Civilian Service Act, the law, includes the option to militarize altern- alternative civilian servicemen during wartime. So, conscientious objection is not as clear cut during wartime. If you want to be a conscientious objector during wartime, you need to do the process again, if you would have done it during peacetime. time. So. And also the administrative bodies that oversee alternative service include military characteristics. For example, there are members from Mil- Ministry of Defense and mi- military headquarters and the Union of Conscripts, etc which also is problematic because they are directing the actions of civilian service. So it's not truly civilian in nature if the control is in military hands. Therefore, due to these reasons conscripts who decide to conduct alternative service instead of military service are not really given a fair choice between the two. Alternative service should not act as a punishment or deterrent as it currently does due to its length and the fact that it's not truly civilian in nature. And that's why Finland is actually violating international human rights law. Yeah, so that was basically what my thesis was about. About is Finland violating international human rights law by imprisoning total conscientious objectors? And the answer is yes, but only because alternative service is not truly alternative and it's punitive in Finland.
0: We already like started mentioning the other um, Nordic uh, countries and their military systems. Maybe we can just have a brief look at them as well. Um, yeah. So I think, as we said, Sweden. Um, they actually uh, reactivated their conscription um, in. 2017 well then 2018 it started so they didn't have it for uh, like seven years i think and then they reactivated it.
1: yeah it's super recent
0: yeah so like for example i was just thinking because now they say women and men born in or after 1999 they have to be part of it again uh, so for example some of our friends just skipped it actually because they were born one yeah. year before but it's really close it's also really interesting
1: but then, for how long did they not have to be, um, or for how long were they not being conscripted for?
0: I think it was t- since twenty ten.
1: So like they took like a seven year. Yeah,
0: like seven year break, and then they reintroduced it. I'm not really one hundred percent sure what the actual reason is, but
2: yeah, because I know that Sweden was, um, is now building up again by the defense forces and putting more money to military, for example. Old places that used to be closed, for example, in the island of Visby, are now in- reintroduced and put back in place, you know, military bases. And, but I think that the conscription is also the same thing, that they draft everyone, but then they choose who they're going to actually put in place.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and Norway does the same. They draft everyone and then they choose who they put in there. And Denmark is the same. And also, everywhere you can always choose to do an alternative, uh, like civil service, and most people would choose that. Yeah. So it's a bit different. It's That's a system that makes more sense, at least, than like, yeah, drafting yeah. everyone.
2: Yeah, it definitely seems more equal practice. But also, I think the issue in Finland, as like people may see it it's the fact that if we want to k- uphold like draft like conscripting 22,000 people a year they don't think it's necessarily happening if it's voluntarily voluntary or or something like that
0: yeah but i think what is maybe what is what is dominant for finland is russia as something that is perceived as a threat And um, like, I can only talk for for Denmark, mostly because I have some more insights into Danish military, but there, even there, Russia is perceived as a threat. And that's why they are also trying to build up more defense at the moment. And I could imagine that it's the same for Sweden, because this whole Baltic region, especially, is very crucial uh, for these countries. And Russia is always perceived as a threat and is some like historically, they have been fighting over territory. And yeah, since Crimea, I think it has been clear that there could be potential conflict. And also the Arctic region, it's also where Russia and Norway, for example, clash and Finland as well. So I guess uh, Russia could be seen as quite a big part for their military.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think you're definitely right. And also, I think that's the that the Baltic security situation is not as secure as it was before. I think also that's why the Nordic countries have enhanced their cooperation between each other. I think Finland and Sweden do a lot together and basically they do NATO trainings together and so on. So even though Sweden or Finland are not a part of NATO, they both participate in like trainings and have dialogue and the option basically a nato option if they would choose to do so
0: yeah and also uh, Denmark so like i was part of a, um, a nato uh, simulation conference basically where like different universities from around the world they came together and they uh, they had like a nato model conference so each university represented a different nato member and we from malmö university we represented denmark um so i have a bit more or I could get an idea of what Denmark actually does in NATO and how important NATO is. And in my research, I also found out that uh Denmark really wanted to join NATO because after the Second World War, they were like so used that either Germany or Sweden was occupying them and they wanted a stronger uh, military system. And so NATO was for them like a smart ally. But they, they made their entry dependent on Norway and Iceland. So like it was very clear that they would only join if Norway would also join Iceland. They did. So Denmark joined. And since then, Denmark was always very strong in NATO or NATO was very important for Denmark's military system, like everything that Denmark has in their military somehow aligned to NATO so that they can come like work together really well. And now the the Baltic states, they're also in NATO and uh, Denmark and then Lithuania, Latvia, uh, Estonia, they have very strong alliances as well and work together. So there you can also see like the Nordic countries work together and then also the whole region
2: yeah, that's, that's definitely interesting and it does make sense from Denmark his, Denmark's history that they are part of NATO. Like, how many wars that they had? No clue, but many. Many, yeah. If you think about the, how many graveyards there are in Malmö and castles in Skåne and so on. But yeah, and also like the option that you said that I didn't know that Denmark included that, that they only join if Norway and Iceland also do. Because it's also a part of discussion about NATO in Finland. It's kind of the idea, even though it's not official idea. But if Sweden joins, Finland most probably joins as well. Yeah. But maybe not by itself, but following Sweden.
0: Maybe also in general we can say t- maybe t- shortly to come to a conclusion. What I maybe took from this episode is again that like military is quite important for all Nordic countries and it's like especially Finland and it's, it's just a topic that maybe in our normal life we don't think about it, especially us because we, we don't have to do military service mm-hmm. or we are not really in touch with the military. So it's very interesting to, to hear about it and to realize the issues with it.
2: I I agree. And like it's very interesting to also hear about the other Nordic countries, because all Nordic countries have some similarities. But for example, the history and geopolitics influence so much of the current situation. So it does make sense that the systems are different. At the same time, it doesn't make sense, you know.
0: yeah i feel- I feel like Finland just doesn't make sense, and yeah
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so that's what we learned today Finland yeah. just doesn't make sense, <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, ranting about injustices is like that's the conclusion, it just doesn't yeah. make sense, it makes us just provoked, <laughs> so yeah, okay, so on today's episode, I think we've learned that. Finland does not make sense to any of us, um, even Rosa, who lives there. <laughs> um, mandatory conscription is still a thing, and it's very much not equal for all of the genders. It's also only pays 5 euros, what was it? <laughs> 5 euros, 14 cents. 5 euros, 14 cents a day, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and, yeah, it's not technically against... Human rights, the way that the Finnish, um, like the law works, I suppose. But if, if you look into it deeper, then it actually is because it doesn't give people their freedom of expression, of religion and, and thought, is it? Yeah. Yeah, so I think that was another episode of us demystifying a topic of the Nordic countries. Um, or I think that was another episode of us demystifying the Nordic utopia. We hope that you enjoyed today's talk. And, and we are on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter as The Social Balcony. Uh, please give us a follow and we'll keep you updated on our next episode.
0: Hejdå! Hello!
1: Hejdå!